Very cool. Welcome, everybody. Good morning. It's great to see you all this morning. We're going to bring up the lights here in a second, but before we do, um, at this time, many years ago, Jesus rode in the town on, on a donkey's colt, and it's called Palm Sunday. So welcome to Palm Sunday. And everybody in the town had these big palm trees, which represented victory. And what they were doing was they were waving these palm trees and cheering Jesus on because Jesus was riding in the town and he, they thought that he was going to be the king of Jerusalem, not knowing that he was going to be the king of kings. And uh, so everybody was really excited about that and praised the Lord. And so this is a great day that we get to remember that. And so what I'd love for us to do is if you, have, uh, if you can clap, that'd be awesome. If you can shout, great, but I'd love for us to just go ahead and start off with just praising God. Think of anything that he's done in your life, anything at all. You got a stimulus check. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so we have reasons to praise God. So what I'd love to do is just spend a second. Let's just give God praise real quick. <laughs> praise you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hearts of gratitude. Man, God can do so much when we are grateful with what he's already done. He really can. Now on to my jokes. Signs and newspaper headlines, okay? Signs and newspaper headlines. Toilet out of order. Please use for floor below. Okay? Signs and newspaper headlines. Toilet out of water. Out of water. <laughs> In a department store, bargain basement upstairs. In a secondhand shop, there was a sign that said, we exchange everything, bicycles, washing machines. Why not bring your wife along and get a wonderful bargain? Is that bad? Okay. One more. Man struck by lightning faces battery charge. Newspaper headline. I uh, had a Jeep Commander, a 2006 Jeep Commander. It's a big boy. It gets like 13 miles per gallon. And we'd, I spent about $20 a day in gas. And so, you know, I've been really considering, I should probably get something that gets a little bit better gas mileage. And so I sold my Jeep, um, which is, it's a great time to sell cars right now, just for anyone that's interested. Everybody's got money. So I sold my Jeep and then uh, found this car on Facebook swap for half the price of what I sold my Jeep for. And so I flew up to Clinton and drove the car, got out of the car and said, hey, I will take it. Like it's, it drives nice, you know, shifted through gears. Nice little car. Gets like 29 miles per gallon. Oh, and it's a convertible. <laughs> it's a convertible. And so I'm driving back on, uh, on my way home from Clinton, Iowa, and I'm on River Drive there, and you got the Mississippi right there, and I had the top down. It was so cool. And I just started laughing. I was just kind of laughing with the Lord, and it's like, oh, here it is. This is it. You know, it's a beautiful day. There's birds flying over me. Got the convertible. No, I didn't go there. But um, <laughs> this is it. This is my midlife crisis. <laughs> it's here. <laughs> a convertible car. <laughs> and I got the, 
the top down so my wind, the wind or my hair can blow, you know? Remember Vanilla Ice, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, this is okay. It's, it's finally hit me. I'm going to embrace it. This is beautiful. It's my midlife crisis. Oh, I forgot to mention, it's a PT Cruiser. A PT Cruiser. Convertible. Real nice, right? This is my midlife crisis. The PT Cruiser convertible. I never realized how much hatred there is for PT Cruisers until I owned one. Because I've been sharing this with people like, oh, it's been really cool. You know, it's, it runs great. And they're like, oh, what kind of car is it? PT Cruiser. Oh, oh, man, those things are just garbage. And like everybody's had these horrible experiences with them. And everyone's a critic when it comes to PT Cruisers. They are. I can't even enjoy the thing anymore. I'm just waiting for it to break down like everybody else is. Everyone's a critic. And so the song, you know, from Taylor Swift, there's haters, haters going to hate, 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 hate. But I'm, I'm just going to shake, 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 shake it off. I'm going to shake it off. Oh, oh, shake it off. <laughs> Don't hate on my PT Cruiser. Today, I want to talk about what to do with critics in our life. How do we approach criticism? How do we approach opposition? As you start to rebuild your life on Christ, as we're talking about restoration project, we're making Jesus the center focus of our life. You will come against opposition. There will be criticism in your life. And if you don't know how to approach it and what to do with it, it can sometimes just take you out. You're sitting there thinking 10 years later, man, I shouldn't have let that criticism just totally take me out of what God had called me into. What do we do with the critics? Nehemiah is a book that we're going through, and his heart breaks for a city, and he restores the entire wall around a city to protect it. He's in the process of working on this, and he invites a bunch of people to get involved in it. And last week, we talked about how they put gates into the city so it would lead to the temple. But today, we're still in the process of restoring this wall because remember, this wall is three miles long, it's 50 feet high, and it's about 10 foot wide. It's going to take a little while to build this wall, right? So what happens is as Nehemiah is rebuilding this wall, there's people that start to criticize him. And I'm going to look at this passage. We're actually going to read the entire passage of chapter 4. And we're going to look at how we can actually approach criticism, opposition, the same way that Nehemiah does and what we can do with it. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to jump right in. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to uh, speak directly through your word today. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Come. You know what each one of our hearts need to hear this morning? And so, Lord, I just thank you that your word is alive. I just choose to get out of your way. Uh, would you speak directly through me? Would you come across with, with power and um, exactly what your kids need to hear today? We just put this time aside and, and, and set it aside for you. Just say, Lord, we want to hear from you. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. When Sambalat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became very angry and was greatly incensed. 
He ridiculed the Jews in the presence of the associates of the army of Samaria. He said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from the heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Amorite, who was at his side, said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break that down, this wall, their wall of stones. Hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their heads. Give them over to, as a plunder of land a captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Have you ever been on a project working on something and you've had somebody in a car or uh, somebody just kind of sitting there with their arms crossed watching you work? <laughs> I love that. Uh, we used to be on job sites back in the day and there would be people like, we were working out in the middle of the cold in the winter and then um, a lot of times, like some different companies, their employees don't have to work out in the cold. And so they would pull their trucks up and sit in the heat of their trucks as everybody else is out working. And then uh, my, some of my bosses over the years have like tapped on their trucks and said like, hey, like you can't sit here and just watch us in your heated truck go down the street or something. So this is what, this is what Nehemiah is up against, you know, Sambalat and Tobiah, they're just sitting there just watching what's happening. Everybody's working so hard, but they're just sitting there picking them apart and watching them. So we rebuilt the wall till it reached half of its height for the people worked with all their hearts. But when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Amorites and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people of Judah said, the strength of our laborers is giving out and there is way too much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemy said, before they knew it or see us, we will be right there among them and they will kill, kill them and put an end to the work. But the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, whenever you turn, they will attack us. So like everybody's against them, like everyone. They're trying to do this project and people are calling them from town saying like, hey, they're gonna attack you guys. Just stop the project and they rebuild it half its height and everyone's just coming against them, even their own people. Therefore, I stationed some people behind the lowest points of the wall in exposed places, posting them by families with their sword, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your people, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that, they were, that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, isn't that good to know? God can just frustrate plots against us that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to their own work. From that day on, half of the men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. 
The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried the material did their work with one hand and held a weapon with the other. And each one of the builders wore a sword by their side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half of the men holding spears from the light of dawn until the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so that they can serve us by guards by night and workers by day. Neither I, my brothers, nor the men, nor the guards with, with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon, even when he went for water. So 52 days in the same clothes. <laughs> A lot of work. I'm like, I want to change my clothes, please. So there's three things that I just wanted to point out from this passage. And the first one is this, is as you move forward in life, as you take, take uh, steps of moving closer to God, that criticism is very normal. Criticism is normal. If you're a leader, if you're leading something, you are going to have criticism. There will be criticism. Have you noticed that Sambalat, he's just been the thorn in Nehemiah's side all this time, just constantly criticizing him from the very start of the wall. The reason is that Sambalat's really insecure with his own life and his own leadership. So, of course, come alongside and just criticize Nehemiah. Tobiah's been trolling Nehemiah on Facebook also. Criticizing right alongside Sam, Sam Ballot, the tag team. Critics normally tend to attract critics. He says, notice this area of the wall, even foxes could knock this down. So this wall is 10 foot wide, 9 to 10 foot wide, so that they could like run chariots on it, Right? That's a lot of foxes to be able to knock down a little area of the wall. And so the way that I look at that is there was probably one little, remember, this is three miles long. So maybe there's a little portion of the wall that didn't really look like it was well put together. And so that's what he's pointing at. Even foxes could knock that over. And that's kind of the way that it is with criticism and opposition is like there's just one thing that's just not, you know, it, there's, we all have flaws, right? We all, we all have different things in our life that maybe we could improve on. But it's just like the enemy to point to that one little area that we can improve on and just like, yeah, even a fox could knock that over. Who do you think you are? This is the criticism that Nehemiah faced and criticism is normal. You're going to have criticism in your life. There are critics. The ESV version of that same passage says that uh, they came to discourage and cause confusion. And this is what criticism does, especially if you're getting something like somebody's just like finding this one little thing that's off in your life. What it does is it starts to make you a little confused on 
well, maybe I, you know, maybe I don't have anything together. Maybe I just need to work on everything. Maybe I'm just, maybe they're right. And it gets us confused. Criticism is normal. Another way that we can look at this, another thing that we can see out of this is criticism is a one-way road. It can be a one-way road. In verse 9, it says this. It says that they came against Nehemiah, but then Nehemiah does this in verse 9. He says, but we prayed to our God, but we prayed to our God. So they were coming with a bunch of criticism and opposition even getting other people involved. What does Nehemiah do? He doesn't take the battle to them. He actually says, but we prayed to God. It's a one-way road. When we face opposition, when we have critics, when what we need to do with criticism is we need to just pass it on and say, God, they're criticizing us. It's a one-way road. Just let it pass us by. Little backstory of Nehemiah is he spent four months of fasting and praying before he even went to work on this wall. So, what that means is that he's very secure in what God has called him into. So, as criticism came his way, he's like, okay, well, I prayed to God because this is what God's told me to do. And I think that's really important for us, it's vital for us, because as we are uh, criticized, we start to question, is this something that God even called me into? Maybe they're right. But Nehemiah spent four months praying and fasting. So when criticism came his way, God, we take care of this. This is what you've called me into. Criticism can be a one-way road. And the last thing is this. And criticism can slow, slow us down, but it cannot stop our work. It can definitely slow us down. I'm not here to say that, you know, as you face criticism, as you face opposition in life, that you won't be slowed down. It definitely can. But it can't stop you unless you let it. They started working with one hand with a spear and another one carrying a brick. That's going to slow things down. As people were trying to work, they had to have protection. Instead of working on the wall, they had to have a bunch of protection to protect them as they would work on the wall. Criticism can slow us down, but it can't stop us. As God calls us into things, as as you uh, pursue the dreams that God has for your life, As you face criticism, it might feel like, man, I am just slowing down. I'm coming to a halt. There seems like a lot of opposition going on in my life. But I'm here to say that it may slow you down, but it can't stop you unless you let it. Unless you let it. So three things from this passage. Opposition is normal. It can be a one-way road. When we're criticized, when there's opposition, just pass it on. Pass it on. It can slow us down, but it cannot stop us. I have five things I would just love to end with, which is putting criticism in a proper perspective. You can write this down. Uh, These are definitely worth um, writing down, putting in your phone, whatever. 
First thing is, is this, is determine if the purpose was to build up or to tear down. So when you're faced with criticism, one way to look at it from a proper perspective, was this to build me up? Is this like somebody that loves me enough to say some truth into my life? Or is this something that is being said to me because they're just trying to tear me down? Are they building me up or are they tearing me down? Another one is this, analyze that the criticism was said out of personal hurt or personal benefit. If you've offended somebody and then they come at you with a bunch of criticism, most of the time that's out of personal hurt, right? And so was this personally, are they coming at you because they're hurt, you've offended them in the past? Are they coming at you in love and saying, yeah, I want to benefit you, I'm a part of your life and I just noticed this and so I want to help you along? Is it constructive? So is it coming from personal hurt or personal benefit? Determine how broad the criticism is. In your workplace, I've heard this before, like everybody thinks this about like you. (laughs) Everyone says this, you know, when people use the word like everyone, everybody, um, we all, it's just not true. If social media has taught us anything, it's that three people can't all agree on one thing, right? (laughs) Come on, like not everybody agrees about this. So when somebody, if you're coming at a lot of opposition, maybe in the workplace, maybe in your family and everyone, it's normally that one person trying to gather two or three other people alongside them that believe this and they're influencing that. Start asking questions. Who says this? Give me names. And then addresses. No. Yeah. You don't need addresses. Love them. <laughs> Who? Who is it? Everyone says this. Everyone thinks that you're the... No. Who? Who is it? Ask questions. Feel free to ask questions. Another one is this. is diagnose fatigue. If you just feel like you're just being criticized so much and just under so much opposition in life, diagnose, am I just really tired? Am I just kind of beat up already? Because when you are, everything seems like people are criticizing you, doesn't it? You just might need a vacation. It's okay. You know, feel free to take one. Diagnose fatigue. Another one is surround yourself with positive people. Surround yourself with people that speak love into your life. Maybe, you know, delete the Yelp review app from your phone. I I don't like Yelp. But uh, (laughs) positive people that are actually like, that, that are looking for good in you and good in life. Because if you surround yourself with a bunch of critics, you will slowly but surely become a really big critic. So surround yourself with people that that are looking for for things that are positive in life. We have a community group that's going to be here on Monday nights, uh, the second Monday of the month and the fourth Monday of the month starting in April. It's going to be here at 6 o'clock right back there at the cool couch. And so, I mean, that's a great start. We got a group that's starting on Wednesday nights. We have women's group that's here on Wednesday nights. These are positive influences. Get yourself around other people. So surround yourself with positive people. 
Maybe even uh, taking a step back from some of the groups that we're in, if you just notice like it's just all criticism, maybe, maybe it's taking a step back from those. One more. Compare people's problems with their criticism. People that are not having a lot of success in their life or feel like they aren't having a whole lot of success in their life, they're going to be ultra critical of your life. Like, that's a problem on their own. They're dealing with their own stuff. So um, it seems like a lot of projection from that. Wow. So compare people's problems with criticism in your own life. If they're critiquing something uh, very, very minor in your life and just hold on to that, there's a really great chance that they're just struggling that area of their own life. And so they're just really trying to project it onto you. And that's just a great time to just take it a one-way road. God, deal with them. Deal with them. Lastly, I swear this is the last one, is I said five. Um, don't lose sight of your calling. Don't lose sight of your calling. When God calls you into something, you're going to face opposition. So don't let it like just completely destroy anything that God's called you into. Just because there's some critics along the way and there's some opposition along the way, God still called you into that. Yeah, don't let it lose sight of your calling. As old T. Swift said, shake it off. (laughs) Put it in a proper perspective. Okay, is this true, God? Is this true about me? Are Are you working on this area of my life? Oh, this is just like they're projecting their own stuff onto me. I'm just going to pass that on to you. Nehemiah tells everybody as they're facing all this criticism and this opposition and armies are rising up against them, he says, come to the wall. Get back to what God's called you to. Shake it off, guys. I know it doesn't make sense, but we got to keep going. We got to keep building. God will protect us. He will protect us. And I think that just rings so true. I think that like when we face a couple of little critics in our life that we just step back and we just think, well, I guess I wasn't called into that. I wasn't supposed to do that. And I'm here to tell you, like, just let that pass you by and keep going into your calling. Come back to the wall. Keep going. Don't let it lose sight of, of what God's called you into. God will protect you. I think one of the coolest parts of this entire passage was that God will fight for us. It's so good to just be able to hand things over to God and say, God, would you fight this battle for me? I'm tired of fighting. I'm just going to put it in your hands. So as a church, we, our mission is love God, love people, and change the world. That message that we just read through Nehemiah 4, I'm going to put that in the category of love people, loving people. 
And the biggest part of that that we can do, guys, is to forgive. The best way to love people is to just forgive them. So if this message like brings up, man, I've, you know, I am facing a lot of this maybe in my family, in my workplace, and in other areas of my life, just invite you today to surrender it to God, just hand it over, and just forgive anyone that you need to forgive. Anybody that's just been ultra critical in your life, just to be able to say, God, I just surrender it to you. I forgive them. Don't hold on to it. Don't leave this place with it. Leave this place freed. Being able to just surrender it to God. So we're going to receive communion and remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. The best part of what Jesus did for us on the cross is that we get to live out what Jesus did for us on the cross. That we get forgiveness. We get to be forgiven, but we also get to forgive That's the biggest part of it. We are forgiven so that we can forgive. Forgiven so we can forgive. So I just invite you as we sing this last song to just remember his body, which was broken for you. We have communion at the back of the room uh, right when you walk in. Just remember his body, which was broken for you. And then remember what Jesus did for us on the cross, that he forgave all of our sins. I'm gonna go ahead and pray.